Uh, excited. Today we are kicking off, uh, as we've been talking about the Holy Spirit bringing us to the Lord, Holy Spirit doing some unique things in our lives. Well, now we get to talk about how God works through our lives and the giftings of the Holy Spirit. So really, really cool. It's been a couple weeks in this. Anybody know how many gifts there are uh, when you make a list of the different Bible passages? Anyone want to take a stab at it? What do you think? I'm not supposed to play with knives. No, come on. Take a stab at it. See what happens. What do you think? Four, seven, ten, the gifts of the Spirit. The different things that God gives us in order to do kingdom work. How many think? Uncountable. Uncountable. Actually, no, it's countable. Seven, nine, a little bit higher. Forty-eight, a little bit lower. Thirteen, a little higher. Oh, you're so close. By the way, people argue all the time about, is it 21, is it 22, is it 23, is it nine? It's 21, if you count the verses that I count. Uh, there's one or two that people might debate about, but there's at least 21, for sure. Uh, there's at least 21, and so we're going to talk about all 21 today. Take one hour each, and you'll be out of here by tomorrow. Is that cool? Cool. No. We're going to look at a couple. Uh, but here's the thing. If you guys missed last week, what the heck are spiritual gifts anyways? What's going on? Remember, this one thing you got to carry from last week into this week. Spiritual gifts... And your natural talents are not the same thing, okay? Spiritual gifts and natural talents are not the same thing. Does that make sense? Meaning you might naturally be talented athletically or musically to play the drums or the violin. Maybe you're artistic and you like to draw or paint. Look, awesome. Those are talents that God has created within your personality, your biology. But then he does a spiritual thing, something to impact the kingdom of God. And it's an equipping to do something that you're actually probably naturally not very good at. And so you might be super shy and not good at talking, but God grants you the ability to preach the gospel and you're an evangelist. And you talk about anything else and you just repeat yourself and you get stuck and you stutter. But man, when you open your mouth for the gospel, it just comes out nice and clear and smooth. Uh, Or maybe it's the ability just to help out in the background, but you love doing it and you're committed to it or whatever. There's all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, Today, we're talking about some of, I think, Maybe more exciting or more out there kind of stuff. So kind of neat, kind of exciting. But you guys found Ephesians chapter 4? All right, let's do this. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you are a God who doesn't just exist, but you are involved in our lives. Lord, that you are constantly pursuing the lost and refining us. And so today, we ask that right now would be just a moment of refinement and of teaching and equipping And Lord, I just pray that for every one of us in this room, you'd provoke us to a godly jealousy to want more of you and to serve you in greater ways. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, starting off, we're actually going to start off in verse 7, and then we'll skip over just a minute. But Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 7, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of of Christ's gift. Remember, he doses it out. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high and led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Look at verse 11. He begins to describe or list the gifts. And he himself, God's the one who gives some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. 
Super simple. Verse 12, we'll close it off. For the equipping of the saints, here's the purpose, to build people up for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so he says, the whole purpose behind this is to strengthen other people. The whole purpose is to build up the kingdom of God through building up individual believers. Super important. Uh, but look, we're growing in those gifts. Anybody remember finger painting? Your very first time where someone actually told you to make a mess on purpose? I and mean, that's what finger painting is, right? So we get the little kid. I, rem- I remember, the, it's like the only thing I remember from kindergarten, that they blob all this paint and they just want you to dunk your hands and smear it on paper. It was like the squishiest, weirdest feeling. And you're pretty sure you're going to get in trouble, but they let you keep going and it looks really cool. And then you keep going and it looks really bad. And then it looks horrible. And so you bring home a picture of mud. That's how it goes. But look, it's fine. You don't expect much more than that from like a five-year-old at kindergarten. But if you and I still paint the way you did in kindergarten, something went wrong. You grow in your abilities. In the same way, how many of you guys ever played t-ball growing up? Yeah? All right. Last service, they were confused. Like, what's t-ball? Are you kidding? T-ball, man. Uh, Let me turn this guy on here. You guys know what t-ball is? Baseball, except the kid version? Look at that slugger. He's like, yeah, I'm awesome. Like, actually, you can't hit a moving ball, so they put the ball on a plastic stand, and you're still going to miss it like 17 times, but it doesn't matter because we don't keep scoring this game, and so, look, just go for it, buddy. But you grow. Imagine you go see your dad at the park, and he's got a tee, and he's like, "Mm." be weird. But guys that commit to learning how to hit this thing, right, they become amazing. They can stand there and get paid millions of dollars for swinging a little piece of wood and hitting a ball out of the park. It's incredible. Why? Because they grow. And so as we talk over the next couple of weeks about the gifts of the Spirit and using them, here's the one thing you got to know. If you're like, I'm going to serve the Lord, I'm going to do something awesome, just know this, you're going to fail. All right? Well, that's not encouraging. No, it is encouraging. Because every time you strike out in baseball, it's not that big of a deal because like three innings go by and you get to try again, right? And let's say you strike out and you strike out and you strike out and then you, you get hit. You're like, yeah, I'm on base. They hit me. And you finally hit the ball and eventually you're getting paid millions of dollars to hit home runs every now and then. It's awesome. So God's expectations are not perfection, just obedience. Just stand there and swing the bat and let's see what happens. It's a step of faith. Doesn't always have to make sense. Doesn't always have to be an ability. In fact, a spiritual gift is an inability to you naturally. It's something you can't do. So know this. You're going to trip. We're going to mess up. And then we're going to get up and we're going to do it again. But here's the fun part. You'll grow in it. So he lists, look at verse 11. Look at your Bibles. He lists four things, okay? In your Bibles, there's four gifts he lists. What's the first one? Starts with an A. Yep. Apostles. Good job. What's the second one? Yep. Prophets. Prophets. What's the... Whoa. I did it again. That's interesting. How many of you guys love technology? Woohoo. So here we go. Give me one second. Apostles, prophets. What's the third one? Yep. Evangelists. Pastors, teachers. Now, just so it says pastors and teachers, if you guys have learned in math, it sticks the two words together. It's a pastor teacher, someone who does these two things uh, jointly or uh, as one thing. Now, the first one, right? The gift of apostles or apostleship. Now, here's where everyone starts to freak out immediately and something you need to know. There's 12 guys very well known in the Gospels and the New Testaments. Uh, they're called the 12 disciples or the 12 apostles, all right? It's another name. 
there will never be another apostle like what they were. These are 12 guys that God used in a specific moment in time to do something very specific. Part of that uh, was not only know Jesus and walk with him, but be moved by the Holy Spirit to write out the Bible. So if you ever meet someone that says like, hi, I'm, I'm Apostle David, like, whoa, that's, why'd your mom name you Apostle? That's weird. Their name's not Apostle, right? It's not a title that you should carry around. It's a gifting that God gives you. A construction worker doesn't walk around and say, hi, I'm Hammer. Like, <laughs> that's odd. He has a hammer, but he's not a hammer. He might use it a lot, but that's not what he is. And so the gift of apostleship and the 12 apostles or disciples are two different things. Now, the sad thing is people want to abuse it and think they have this authority and power to tell you something that's not even biblical. And I'm an apostle. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you something new that God never told us. I found a secret. Uh, God actually says it's sealed and there are no more secrets. So get off it. But here we go. Don't swing the other way and say, there is no gift of apostleship. There totally is, right? What does it even mean? Apostle means simply a delegate, a messenger, one sent forth with orders. Go and start this church. Go and do this work. Go and begin something new that's never happened. It's someone who's sent forth to accomplish something. They're sent forth not just accidentally, but on purpose to accomplish something. Romans chapter 15, I love this. And it's probably, to me, the simplest description biblically of what the gift of apostleship looks like. It says, and so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel. Not, look at here we go, not where Christ was named. This is one of the things that apostles are burdened to do. Lest I should build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, okay, to whom he was not announced, they shall see, and to those who have not heard, they shall understand. So the gift of apostleship is this amazing burden and desire and passion to go reach people who have not, sorry, see how the first part is underlined? Not, were not where Christ was named. Why is that hard to say? Not where Christ was named. They don't want to go build a church next to a church. They don't want to go into a church and be like, hey, come with me to my church. They don't want to go somewhere and be like, do you guys all know Jesus? Yeah, cool. Okay, let me tell you about Jesus. Like, that'd be redundant and kind of odd. They are drawn to go somewhere where they've never heard the name of Christ. They're not trying to build a church next to a church. They want to build a church or raise people up where there's never been a church before. There's an amazing drive and desire and passion. It's like, well, what does that look like? Do people still do that? In fact, they do. Uh, there's an awesome place called Papua New Guinea. Everyone say Papua New Guinea. All right, I don't know what your papa's name, but mine's not New Guinea, so I don't know who this guy is, but Papa New Guinea's a place, not a person. Uh, just off of Australia, it's a chain of like 600 little islands. Beautiful place. Here you go, Papa New Guinea for you, front and center. Uh, my wife has a friend. She married a guy named Chris. Chris has a brother. You guys with me so far? Who has a cat, who has a dog, whose turtle's name? No, I'm just kidding. So Chris's brother has this gift of apostleship. He would never tell you, ever. And when someone walks around blowing, you know, smoke and telling you who they are and how great they are, he'd never tell you. But this is what he does. He's been called by God. And so uh, he's married now, but in Papua New Guinea, there's like 600 islands. And so this is what he does. Apostles go where no one else has gone before. Are there still places like that? Oh yeah, totally. He moves in with guys like this, who they look funny until you realize they're not joking. And you're like, oh, I want to go back to the boat, right? So... <laughs> Um, 
But he will get into a little boat. They load it up full of not so much. And then they put that boat over to an island. And then they get there. But here's the problem. They don't speak the language. So they spend a year hanging out, learning the language the whole time so that they can share the gospel with somebody. And then people start to get saved. And then they begin to build up the body of Christ, a.k.a. the church. And then after he's done, he gets in the boat, he piles stuff up, and he puts on over to another one of the 600 islands, and he gets there, and he learns the language, and he tells them about Jesus, and people begin to believe and get saved, and then he raises people up, and then he gets in his boat. Sometimes it's a year or two, sometimes it's three or four. Uh, There's a time, it's nuts. You read in the book of Acts, Paul was shipwrecked and spent a day and a night floating around the ocean. Uh, Chris's brother, this Papua New Guinea apostle dude, he literally, a couple years ago, we got a call. He's like, hey, man, there was an accident. We don't know what happened. Be praying. And we got a call a couple days later. Uh, they found him. Their boat had gotten wrecked at night. They spent the entire night floating around on gas cans and boards in the ocean. And so they saved him, and then they put it over to another island, and then they met more guys like that. And uh, now, look, here's the funny. You and I go like, ha, ha, ha. And like, no, that's real. Like, oh, no. He goes like, oh, no, I think, I think he's going to be a pastor and then I think, that guy's going to be an evangelist. And I can see, like, when I see that, I'm not like, yeah, that guy's called to be a pastor. Totally. But the gift of apostleship, man, is amazing. So check this out. Turn to the book of Acts. I'm going to hang there for a little while today, jump back and forth. But the book of Acts describes quite wonderfully uh, not just the job of an apostle, but the heart of an apostle. Okay? Acts chapter 14. Now, one thing you got to know, if you're anybody adventurous by nature, you're just naturally like, I'll jump off of that. I could do this. I'll try eating anything. Like, you're just naturally adventurous. I'm with you. But being called or gifted as this gift of apostleship doesn't mean you're just an adventurous person, all right? And you got to be careful because I can be like, I want to do this work. They don't do it because it sounds like fun. It's a legitimate burden, not just to go on some wild adventure, but to reach people who've never been reached before. So don't think, I'm adventurous, I could do it. No, no, no. Do you have a drive to go reach people with the gospel that have never been reached before? That's the heart of an apostle. Now they get to go on an adventure. They better be fairly adventurous types of people. But you guys found Acts chapter 2, where are we at? 14, sorry. Acts 14, verse 21 says, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned. All right, so they go to a city. Many disciples are made. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, these other cities that they'd been to before, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting or encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. And so they've backtracked. They've gone to other places they've already been and said, look, guys, keep going. It's going to be hard, but have faith. It's okay. So focus on this part, verse 23. So when they had appointed elders in every church, and prayed with fastings, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And if you keep reading, they basically pack up and move on. This is what apostles do. The gift of apostleship will call you into a place where there's not already a church, and you'll preach the gospel, and you're not there to try and make your own church. You're not there to be a pastor over anybody. In fact, you're there, and you, people start getting saved, and disciples are made. Like, sweet. And you teach them the Bible, and God will raise up, okay, and to show you, I think that guy's supposed to be a pastor, and this person's some kind of leadership, and this person's an evangelist. And, and so you teach them, and you train them. You're like, all right, buddy, uh, we got the bone out of your nose. Oh, we can leave it. That's fine. But you're a pastor now. I'll be back, maybe, Lord willing, but uh, I'll be praying for you. You jump in a boat, and you put on over to another island. 
and you stop by and you say hi to the church that you started three years ago. You're doing good. Keep going. Okay, I'm out of here. And you go to a new island and you do the same thing over again. It doesn't have to be islands, all right? It can be Africa. Honestly, there's parts of the United States where there are not enough churches and people still don't know about Jesus. Believe it or not. No way. Just on the other side of Hollywood is a city called Bellflower, right? About an hour and a half from here. You know, 95% of people that live in Bellflower do not go to church. Only 5% of the people that live in the city just on the other side of Hollywood go to church on Sunday mornings. Go plant one, guys. I don't know. Like, well, I'm young. We'll do it in five years. Okay, graduate high school, go start a church. I don't know. You guys good? So here we go. We're going to test you real quick. An apostle. Do they go places, A, where there has never been a church before, or do they go, B, where there are already churches? A, good. Apostles, option A, they go places where no one's ever heard the name of Jesus. Okay? Now, do they want to take over a church or build a church and, and be the pastor, or do they want to raise up pastors and leave a church? B. B, they want to leave a church. They're going to raise it up, make sure it's healthy, and bounce and do it all over again. So adventurous spirit, but the call and the burden is not to go on an adventure. It's to go reach people who've never been reached before. Does that make sense? Simple stuff? Yeah. All right. If God calls you to it, you better write me a letter. I want to hear about it. I want to come visit. If I can... How do you find one of 600 islands? That's what I want to know. Anyways, apostles, what was next on your list? Uh, do you remember? Apostles, start with the P. Another word people get freaked out about. Prophets, good job. Prophets. So another word, like, oh my gosh. Uh, what do you guys think prophets or a prophet is or what they do? Yep. Talks about what will happen in the future. That's a good way of describing it. Uh, it's not the full thing, but it's a, it's a part of it. Yes, look. Super good job. You're, yep. Okay, so we're mixing it all together. Anybody have another way of saying it? You guys are good. Now, you got to differentiate. Old Testament prophets were revealing things about God that no one knew before. Well, God's already revealed everything he's going to reveal. So there's not going to be a new message, but basically this, okay? A prophet is someone, I'm losing my Bible, to speak the heart and mind of God into current or future events. If God gifts you with this gift of, of being a prophet, it means that he's going to show you his heart, what he wants, what he thinks about a specific situation and or things to come. Example, Jonah, right? Jonah was a prophet. Ooh, ooh. If you ever watched VeggieTales, you, know, you got it. All right, you with me? <laughs> it's annoying, but it's cool. So uh, look, Jonah, it wasn't his message. In fact, he didn't like the message. In fact, he didn't want to go. How bad did Jonah not want to go? Very bad. So bad, he's like, you know what? I don't want to go. Throw me overboard. I'd rather die in the ocean. So they do. They, and Jonah falls into the ocean. Some megalodon shark thing, fish, comes and swallows him up. And he's like, that's it. I'm going to die. Three days later, he gets barfed out on shore. And he's like, what? Where am I? Big old sign, welcome to Nineveh. It's like, no! Right where God wanted me to be. And the message, not complicated, but God's message, not Jonah's. Jonah's just the mailman. A prophet's just the mailman. It'll never be your job to come up with the message just to present it. So he walks through and he says, guys, speaking about your culture and where you are and the future and things to come, repent or you're going to die. That's his message. 40 days and you're dead. He spoke God's heart and mind into a current culture about a future situation. 
And there will be times, guys, if God burdens your heart for these things, and by the way, prophets prayed like crazy. How else would you know the heart and mind of God unless you are deeply acquainted with his word and oftentimes seeking him in prayer? But as he burdens your heart, he will give you opportunity to speak boldly, whether it's one person or a group of friends, more often a larger platform to change and shape mass groups of people, but it's pretty cool. Uh, Acts chapter 2, all right, you guys are still in the book of Acts? Acts chapter 2, verse 17. You can flip on over. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And it shall come to pass. You still finding it? That's fine. And here's the fun thing about the gifts. It doesn't mean the people are special. It means they were willing. Any gifts that we look at over the next couple of weeks, that doesn't mean they're special people. It means they were willing people. They were obedient people. They were holy people. They wanted to get rid of the sin in their life and seek Jesus. You guys do that and God will do amazing things. Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, right now where we're living, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters, okay, this is girls, you're as valuable as guys, uh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, they're going to speak God's heart. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. See, even I qualify, old men are fine. Just kidding. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. It's awesome. About all kinds of things. Uh, there's a guy named Agabus in chapter 11. Everyone say Agabus. Agabus. Okay, do not name your kid Agabus. He'll hate you. But Agabus, prophet, he shows up. He's like, God has shown me that a famine is coming that will strike the nations. And so as he says it, it causes this awesome reaction. The church gathers together. They pull their money together. Uh, I think it's Paul and Barnabas. They give it to, and he goes down to Jerusalem. And literally people are influenced and saved because of the future knowledge God gave to the prophet Agabus. There's another guy. He's in a room. There's a bunch of people there, kind of like a little church service thing going on. They're hanging out, probably eating, and there's someone's belt off to the side, and he picks up the belt, and he wraps it around his wrist, and he's, look at God has shown me whoever's belt this is is going to get bound like handcuffs and taken away, and everyone starts crying, oh my gosh, that's Paul's belt, and Paul's like, yep, sign me up. Like, don't do it. He's like, look, if God calls me to die for the gospel, I'll die for the gospel, but imagine the boldness you'd have knowing Look it, I know exactly where I'm going. And so God can show people future things. The bummer part is many people either don't believe it or don't want to know it. But if he's gifted you with it and you're willing to be obedient, then God will use you to speak his heart and mind into current and future situations or people groups. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. Let me read it to you guys. It says, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation, and comfort to men, right? There's three things when prophecy happens. Edification, exhortation, comfort. To edify, it means you're going to build people up. Oh, I don't know what's going on. No, 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 come on. We got this. God's still in control. Exhortation, people are going to be uh, encouraged. Oh, I'm going to quit. No, you're not going to quit. You're going to keep going. Come on, soldier. And comfort. Maybe there's worry or fear. And it speaks. No, 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 no. The Lord's in this. So the effect that a prophet has on people is amazing. Amazing. If you speak prophecy, 
You edify, strengthen, you exhort, you keep them going, and you comfort them. You take away the fear or the doubt. So there's the gift of apostleship, the gift of prophets. What's the third one? Anybody remember? Start with an E. Yeah, you guys are on it. Evangelist. Now, how many of you guys are aware, at least, I'm not saying you're doing it, but you're saying, I at least am aware that I'm supposed to be able to share my faith with people. Do you guys know that you're supposed to do that? Yeah, I know I'm supposed to do that. So we are all supposed to be able to share the gospel with people, but some people will have a nonstop drive to do it. Um, I'm not saying you're accomplishing it, but is anybody in here like, man, I just, all the time, I want to I be able to do that. I think about it a lot. Anybody here think about, just tell people about Jesus a lot? Cool. Look it. And if you're sitting there like, oh, I didn't put my, I don't have that. Then you're not, you're not an event. It's fine. You're something else. It's not like, well, he loves Jesus more than me. That's not true. If you both love Jesus equally, you'll have different passions for what he's called you to do. But if you're saying like, yeah, I have this like nonstop drive. I just want to be involved and tell people about the, I don't know how to do it. I'm not doing it. I just want to do it. You very well may have the gift of evangelism, okay? Uh, What is it? An evangelist or evangelism is just one who heralds good news. That's all it means. Uh, Let me introduce you to Harold. Here's Harold, right? Hey, Harold. Uh, what is a herald? Old school movies, you've seen things about the medieval times, they'd show up with their trumpet, like, and everyone's like, what is going on over there? And he might, a message from the king, and he says something, or maybe the king's on his way down the road. Well, an evangelist is just speaking on behalf of the king of kings, saying, look it, there's good news. Put your hope and faith in Jesus Christ, your sins will be forgiven, and you will be gifted eternal life. Super rad but it is to be able to herald or to be making known the gospel. Uh, three things. If you guys, I don't know how to share the gospel at all, and you want to learn, there's three simple little tiny verses, okay? One of them, Romans 3.23, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's where it starts, okay? The gospel should never be shared with condemnation. Romans 6.23, the gift of God's eternal life. It's awesome. And then learn, learn this third verse, guys. Romans 10, 9 through 10. That there's hope, repent and believe, and God will begin to do some amazing things. But you read and commit these, these verses to memory. And then you be open to whatever God says to do, and you will be blown away. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it tells us, and look it, if you have the gift of, a, of evangelist, you'll get this. This is your fire already. Uh, it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, meaning there's not a racial issue, there's no national issue, it's a human issue. We've all sinned, but there's a Savior for everybody. Um, So one of the misconceptions, if you're an evangelist, is that you have to stand on a stage and preach the gospel to like hundreds or maybe even thousands of people. But that's not really true, okay? It's not about numbers. It's not about numbers. Everyone say, it's not about numbers. Say it again. All right, it's not about numbers, okay? Let me tell you a story. Acts chapter 2, verses 40 and 41. Peter's up on the Temple Mount. Tons of people there, all kinds. And it says he preaches the gospel. By the way, if you have that like passion and desire to preach the gospel to people, read the book of Acts and circle or square or highlight the places where you see people coming to Jesus. And you're going to learn a lot about how to share the gospel within a couple days. Awesome stuff. Really simple. Peter says, look, here's the deal, guys. You nailed the guy to the cross. His name was Jesus. It's your fault. We've all sinned. 
you should repent before you die. And they say, oh my gosh, what do we have to do? And he says, believe in the name of Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. And uh, a bunch of guys get saved. In fact, over 3,000 people in one afternoon became believers in Jesus Christ. That's awesome. It's amazing. Like, that could never happen nowadays. The only reason it can't happen nowadays is if you're not willing to do it. What if it doesn't work? Can I just help you guys think through this real quick? What if I share the gospel and people don't get saved? Well, if you don't share the gospel, they won't get saved. So if you do share the gospel and they reject it and don't get saved, you're really starting off where you started and no love lost. But what if they all get saved? What if 3,000 people at lunch tomorrow on your campus, you're just like, hey, guess what, everybody? And I'm not saying that's the way you have to do it. But if God calls you to do it, he might be doing something bigger than you could possibly imagine. It's amazing. But it's not about numbers, okay? There's another story, Acts chapter 8, verse 35. The guy, Philip, must have been pretty good at running. He's pretty quick, gets places very fast. Uh, but there's a guy rolling by in a chariot, and he's running up there, and God says, I want you to figure out what's up. And so he runs out up to his chariot, and the guy's reading the Bible, and he's like, what are you reading? He's like, I don't get it. I don't know, man. Bible thing, something. He's like, okay, do you know what you you understand? He's like, no. So he climbs in this guy's chariot, which you're not supposed to get in the car with strangers, but Philip does, and they begin to talk. The guy gets saved down the road. They jump out and get baptized in a lake or a river or something, and it's awesome. So whether it's tons of people or one-on-one, if God gives you this, like, unquenchable desire for people to be saved, follow it. Follow it. If you're walking with the Lord, Nick, but I don't have that, or you're reading, you care about God, you're honoring him with your decisions, yeah, then don't worry about it, all right? Don't worry about it. So we have apostles, prophets, evangelists, the last one for the day, pastor, teacher, okay? They're the same thing. Now, what is a pastor, teacher? Okay. Uh, they're definitely focused on people who are already saved. I love it. Very good point. Okay, someone who just teaches people about Jesus. True, but only partially true. Because you'll find out later on, it's not a trick. Later on, there's a gift of teaching. So if there's a gift of teaching the Bible, then what's the point of a pastor teacher? Yeah. That's a great way of putting it. Someone who leads believers in the right direction, all right? Uh, put simply, it's one who's called and committed to the spiritual health of a group of believers. They're not, it's not like, oh yeah, I got this group of people and that group of people and I'm going to go here on Tuesdays and there on Fridays and all over the place. They are just wildly committed to this group for one purpose of helping them get closer to God. It's, it's a unique thing. It's an awesome thing. It's a privileged thing. It absolutely includes the Bible because without the Bible, we got no truth. Uh, It's the word of God that changes lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. But the gift of pastoring, and by the way, um, ladies, good, bad, or indifferent, it's a guy's thing to be a pastor. That's pretty much the only thing that God says I only want guys to do. Uh, Women aren't supposed to lord over the men, but men are to lead uh, guys and girls. But a pastor teacher, okay? There are some requirements to be the pastor teacher. But look, you guys are it. 
I don't, I'm not like, you. I pastor you guys, and then I go to another church tomorrow and pastor another group of people and then another church. You're it. What is a pastor? A pastor doesn't just teach, but he is constantly committed to the welfare of one group of people, okay? Uh, if you I was like, I think God might call me to pastoring one day. That's awesome. That's really cool. You should check out Titus chapter 1, verses 7, 8, and 9, and then also 1 Timothy 3. It gives the list of expectations and qualifications to become that pastor. Ladies, I'd make this your list of who you're going to marry, to be honest with you. Whether they're a pastor or not a pastor, this is the bar, all right? Uh, You don't want anyone less than this. But it's a privileged opportunity, but there's a price to be paid. Because here, here's the deal. Pastor Jack in the main sanctuary, he's there. Well, he teaches the Bible, but what's he doing the rest of the time? It's only an hour and a half that your parents see him on a Sunday, Maybe if they come on Wednesday, two hours, three hours out of the week, what does a pastor do the rest of the time? Either he's meeting with people, if people are going through hard things or conflict or they're sick and in a hospital or they're hurting or they're confused, it's to be with people through life and to bring God into the center of their life over and over and over again. It's awesome. Simple stuff. Uh, So look, here's the deal. An example. By the way, it's not always fun and games. Uh, John chapter 10, Jesus gives an awesome example. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, someone is paid to do it, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. And he goes on and Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. So what does Pastor Jack do throughout the week? There's times he's at the hospital with someone that's dying or you're sitting with people whose marriage is about to explode or someone's kid is doing something horrible or whatever. It's inconvenience. But if you're willing to be inconvenienced to help people know God more and you love the word of God, maybe, gentlemen, God's calling you to be a pastor. You'll find out. God will open the doors. But today, the question isn't just like, okay, what are these, which one are you? You have to figure it out. The question is, do you want to be anything at all? The question isn't, which one are you? Don't, don't walk out of here today thinking, okay, which one am I? No, no, no. The question is, do you want to be anything at all? Because there's a lot of people who come in and out of truth, but never, ever are interested in it. A ton of people. And it breaks God's heart every day, I think. But so today, we're going to end and worship here in just a second. But I want to challenge you guys to think through, look, do I want to serve the Lord? And if you could come to the point of today saying, you know what, Lord, I surrender and I want to be used by you. And I want you to do something unique in my life. Show me what it is. Maybe he's going to send you to Papua New Guinea. I don't know. Or all the way to Africa or all the way to bellflower on the other side of Hollywood. I don't know. Maybe he'll begin to give you that passion for evangelism. Maybe he'll begin to stir in you the desire to pastor. Maybe, I, I don't know, guys. He'll give you the voice of a prophet to speak to your culture. Maybe it's all this other stuff we'll learn about later on. But you don't got to so much freak out about what am I as much as today you need to start asking and praying, do I want to be anything at all? And if you do, you tell him. And he'll begin that new work, okay? So let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for sending Jesus. And 
Lord, we thank you for your relentless pursuit of us and your unfailing love. And Lord, so thankful that for whatever reason you've chosen to entrust us, to give us the Bible not only to learn from, but then to turn around and teach others is amazing. As we'll learn in times to come, God, how to just simply help and be involved in the smallest of ways, but yet make the biggest of differences. And Lord, I ask for anyone today that's just be saying like, you know what, I want to I do something for the Lord. Would you begin to show them what it is? Would you begin to show them what you're doing and give them the faith to step out and just to trust you with it? To surrender, to say more and more often, Lord God, would we find ourselves praying, Father, your will be done above my own. In Jesus' name, amen.